Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're going to be talking about human design. It's been described as a cross between the Myers-Briggs and your astrology chart, but I think you'll see it's much more complex than that. It was developed in the 1980s by an ad exec known as Alan Krakauer, who said he heard a voice over the course of eight days that dictated a system, which Alan then turned into this really long book, which describes how we work based on the time and place of our birth. So human design combines parts of the I Ching, astrology, the chakras, the Kabbalah, and even quantum physics to reveal our genetic design. And sometimes it's called a body graph, right, Denise? Yes. Yes, it is. And with everything going on in the world right now, anything we can do to feel more in sync with who we really know ourselves to be, or this can be another wonderful tool to help us try to figure some stuff out about the way we're trying to navigate the world. When you start exploring this, the depth and the, the combinations and everything else, it's, it's kind of surreal how integrated it all becomes. This whole human design system is kind of a synthesis of ancient and modern science. And it's basically to try to understand ourselves better or understand other people in our lives, which I think as empaths, that's 99.9% of how we function anyway, trying to figure out what the hell we're doing and what everybody around us is doing. It also helps you figure out how you're different from everyone else. So it can give you some pretty profound insight into your own psychology, along with strategies and techniques for making decisions and then leading to the life of more ease and fulfillment. When you start breaking it down, even with the like the astrology part, and true astrologers fascinate me because they they get it. And even though I can hear it and I can read it and I can study it, I don't really fully get it the way an astrologer does. I mean, and this seems like layers and layers, complex systems I'm not super strong in. You can get a free chart done and maybe you'd like to pause listening and go online, you can type in free human design chart and it'll pop up. There's a lot of options and you can get your chart and kind of follow along and that might be helpful. It syncs the wheel of the Western Zodiac with the I Ching and that develops the body graph. But then it also brings in the tree of life from the Kabbalah. And there's nine chakras listed with 64 gates and 36 channels of energy that flow through you. So when you put your birth date in, Part of the profile is your actual birth date, where you where you were born, location, all that stuff. And then the other part of it is 88 days or three months prior. So it's when you were in utero. And it's a combination of those two numbers that develops this, your type and your profile and, and brings it all in together. So it's your body graph is fixed at the time of birth, similar to an astrological chart. And it really does, you know, similar to the astrology, as we said. But the the two factors switch on these 64 gates and then these activations hardwire certain traits that form your identity. So if you can look at the gates as kind of codes or archetypes that come from the I Ching component, and then each gate expresses itself in one of six ways or lines, which are like the nuances of each trait. And that just sounds like a bunch of, of my head's already spinning. And I've read that over and over, but I know that a lot of people are more fluent with this. So please realize we're beginners with this and we're exploring it just as you are. 
So do the gates lead you to your higher self, to your soul purpose, or just to a deeper understanding of who you are and where you are now? It's more uh, the gates interconnect all, from what I understand, interconnect all of these centers and help develop that. It's similar to an intense Myers-Briggs, where it's that internal focus of, oh, this is why I do it that way, or this is why my, my profile came out as role model hermit. And anyone who knows me knows that I am like crazy private, very to myself. So that hermit, when I saw that validated in my profile and I read some of the descriptions, it was like, wow, that really is me. And it just sometimes, don't you like to do this stuff because it validates like how you feel about the way you, you are, yes. with, not without someone else's in, uh, input on it? Yes. Yeah. I think that can be incredibly helpful. So if a body graph reveals two main things called your strategy and your authority. Right. Is it saying that your strategy is role model and your authority is hermit? Your strategy is how you ought to make this, how you should really work on making your decisions. And your okay. authority is how to access that bodily energy to make decisions. So you have a type, which is what kind of person you are. And there's five different types. The strategy is how you ought to make decisions. The authority is how you access the energy to make those decisions. And then the profile is your combination of conscious and unconscious personality traits. And then you get into the science of it a little bit because like the system has uh, is made of 64 gates and six possible lines. So even that, the 64 times six, is, the, is symmetrical to our DNA code. Because DNA is constructed with 64 codons by six groups of amino acids per codon. No one has intentionally made this connection. I always love, love, love when there is a connection that wasn't the apparent reason someone started with. Like someone didn't start with DNA and then build on this. It came the other way around. That's fascinating. As we're in this transition right now, and trying to figure out, am I making the most of my time here? Am I here fulfilling my, my life path, my soul contracts, the work I came to do? That self-introspection and knowledge can really help us on that path. Uh, I agree. Do you want to talk about the strategy types? There's five types. Manifester, generator, manifesting generator, projector, and the reflector. So the manifestor, and only about 8% of people are manifestors, but these are the people that can initiate action without waiting. This is, they have that really strong power to bring in what they're looking for, initiate action, move forward. I thought that was interesting that with so much emphasis on manifesting your reality, that according to this system, only 8% of people are really truly wired that way. It is interesting because if you think about it, you, a lot of the response we got to our Take Action show was like, wow, obviously everything you said is true, but it's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. So I think it is really hard to realize we have the potential and the power and the ability within us to manifest what we're trying to achieve. Right. So a good example for a manifester would be if they decided to start a business, they'd have to just say, okay this is the right timing and I'm going to do it. All the other types usually have to wait, figure it out, get more clear with their, their decisions and their process. Whereas the manifesto is going to say, nope, boom, done, go ready. 
And I think that's really cool. There can be some challenges with being a manifester because learning to use that power appropriately or not to hide it or suppress it. Because imagine like a little person that comes in as a manifester and is able to to be in that zone of creating and bringing into fruition what they really want. That could get squelched a little bit if, if we weren't careful with it. Also, when I do readings, I always start out by trying to get general information about the person before I get them on the phone, just so I can kind of, you know, get a feel for their energy. Mm -hmm. And very, very rarely, I will get the message that someone is a manifester. And I never put it in terms of this human design, but I will tell them, you have a lot of manifesting ability in your energy, and that's not super common. And they'll say, oh, that's so great. And then I always say, yes, but <laughs> you have to realize that if you are a natural manifester, it means that you can manifest your positive thoughts and you can manifest your negative thoughts. So I think it's a really powerful ability that if you don't understand it, sometimes those worries you can bring into fruition if you're a manifester. And I don't mean that literally. Like if you have a worry that, you know, you're going to get this certain illness, you're going to suddenly get that illness. So I don't mean it like tit for tat, but I do mean that manifestors have this ability where if they're worried and waiting for the other shoe to drop, the other shoe's going to drop. Whereas the other, you know, 91% of us will just worry and worry for the sake of worrying. So I think manifestors can be a double-edged sword. And so knowing that you're a manifester is a very powerful tool because then you know, okay, wait, before I manifest all this great stuff, I've got to work on my shadow side. Exactly. And to, to learn to channel that energy in a positive way. So, or it could potentially bring in a lot of resistance because when it is properly channeled, it manifestor energy often gives the other types in this human design system something to respond to. So some famous manifestors would be Al Gore, George W. Bush, Jack Nicholson, Susan Sarandon, Richard Burton. And when you think there is a similarity to those personalities of those people. Very strong energies. Right. So the generator and the manifesting generator, these two types together make up about 67% of the population. And they're the only types that have a special energy center called the sacral center, which I thought was interesting because we can correlate to the sacral chakra, which a lot of us operate from as, em as empaths. So for both the manifesting generator and the generator, the most important thing in life is finding the right work. And that was like a cowbell going off in my head because my type came up as manifesting generator. And I've thought about, well, when I was teaching special ed, when I was when I'm doing this work, it really makes such a difference when it aligns with who I feel I am. I've done other jobs on the side that was just like, what, what am I thinking? What am I doing here? Well, that's interesting because it's in the sacral chakra that we give birth to our true selves. And it's also believed to be the foundation of clairsentience. Like clairsentience starts in the sacral and it develops in the solar plexus. And that's why I love the correlations we can see between different things. Because, yeah. you know, don't you think it's cool that all of the systems of this that we're talking about, the Kabbalah, the I Ching, the chakras, they're all so old. It's all so old and wise. And they, they all seem to overlap in a way, which I think is mm -hmm. not a mistake. 
Right. It's by design. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of equate it to it, my own philosophy is that if you go to the original tenets of religion, they're all saying the same thing. And this kind of feels similar to that. So I have a question. I read that generators are the givers of the world and they tend to respond to situations rather than initiating actions. But manifestors, I feel, are the type that initiate actions. So would a manifestor generator have a push-pull energy? I'm going to back up just for a second. So um, manifesting generators and generators, you were spot on, have to wait for something to respond to before taking action. And as a behaviorist, I'm, I'm big on, is there a catalyst for that change or behavior? So that makes sense as a, a manifesting generator as well, that I like to know, I like the behavioral end of it, of what caused the, the result. This is waiting for something to respond is crucial for success in life and avoiding burnout from committing to the wrong work or wrong direction and path. And I thought that was really, really interesting. So so like a projector or a reflector, they could be in a boring career and be totally fine. Yeah, like projectors are natural managers, leaders, they're going to oversee things. Whereas manifesting generators might have to test drive their response to situations to see if they're on the right track. They change their minds a lot. Pure generators act more deliberately when they respond, and they usually know what it is that they have to try it. They, they know where they want to go without having to try it out first. For example, like a generator who was leading a workshop might want to teach a particular subject, and they'll initiate this workshop without anything to respond to other than their own mental urge or their own little nudge, but they'll find out that the workshop turnout might be low. But instead, if the generator person had waited until someone suggested, oh, why don't you teach a workshop on blank? She has something to respond to, and the outcome of the workshop will probably be much different. Oh, that's a great example. Okay. What's really challenging for the generators and the manifestor generators is it might not feel natural for most people to wait and see what life brings. And, and learning that patience and learning to wait so that you can respond and not initiate. So some famous manifesting generators and generators would be Madonna, John Lennon, the Dalai Lama, Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Timothy Leary, all very eclectic people. So I thought that was fun. That is. All right, then we have projectors. They tend to observe and stand back and wait for an invitation. Well, they're about 24, 22 to 24% of the population, depending on what you read. And as I mentioned, these are the natural managers and leaders of the world. They don't carry the energy in their own personal energy field, but instead take in the energies of others and manage it. So they may have to wait to be recognized and invited into the major events in life, such as love relationships, career, right time, right place. But if the invitation feels good for someone who's a projector and they accept it, they can channel this enormous amount of energy and power into that situation. Haven't, haven't you worked with uh, like a, a manager or supervisor or administrator who was so good at navigating all the personalities and dynamics and almost like a very beautiful chess game. They could keep everything running smoothly. I, I would feel that's a projector energy. 
Yeah, that's a good example. That makes sense. Before they can project their energy, they have to feel seen, valued, heard, and understood. That's Yes, that's what I found as well. And kind of a challenge for this type of energy can be, it might feel frustrating or debilitating if they try to push themselves and initiate that action. So now we're starting to see as we start looking at each of these different types, how there are distinct personality traits and nuances that support it. A lot of managers don't want to initiate it, but they are amazing, amazing at delegating other people to run the committee or, or the project or, or whatever. Sometimes it might take a long time for the right invitation to come, but when it clicks, these are, spark. yeah, so I thought this was an interesting definition that these are kind of non-energy types of folks. They're not here to work steadily like the generator types, but they may receive a lot of judgment from others and be per- perceived as lazy when in fact it's kind of unhealthy for these types to initiate that kind of action because they can't maintain that energy flow on their own. I guess if we wanted to put it in a little succinct note, it, they're here to deeply understand others and they can be powerful resources if they're recognized and used properly. How about reflectors? Is that so? Reflectors are the rarest type because they're only one percent of people, and they're able to mirror or reflect the health of the community around them. And they're open to all kinds of energy. They take in all the energy of the world into their own energy system and then reflect it back out. But it, the, what's really rare is none of the. It's there's no color. Each each area is undefined, which I think is kind of interesting because. When you go deeper and deeper into this, it talks about how are you working on that as a, a life lesson or a strategy to learn in your life if it's a undefined area or is it something you're you're incorporating into your daily life already? So they need to talk about their decisions with everyone. And they're always, always taking in information and processing it. So it can be difficult for reflectors to know themselves because they're so absorbent of everyone else's energy. You are a reflector. Two things. If you're happy, then where you are at the moment is a happy place. If you're in a sad reflector, then the community of the world around you is sad. It feels like it's almost like being an empath on steroids. Yeah. Sounds like they're also really intuitive. Yes. But it can be difficult because all their decisions seem to be reflected through others in order to know what to do. So famous reflectors would be Michael Jackson, Yuri Geller, Rosalind Carter. And when you think about it, they really personify that energy. And again, that's only 1%. It's very, very, very rare. You know, I think as people, we want to be in the rare group. We want to be unique. But I'm very grateful I'm not a reflector. Yeah, me too. Listening to that description, I'm happy not mirroring the world around me. One of the things they suggested was if you are a reflector is wait 28 days, like a cycle of the moon, until you feel really certain about making a decision to make sure it's your decision and not what you're picking up from other people. Once you know your type, which is really easy, you you pop this onto the, it brings it up, it tells you, you get a cute little chart, then your strategy comes from your type. This is like the knowledge that really helps you figure out your chart. So it's basically your personal way to make effective decisions. It gives you the key information about how to operate in the world, but also how to make the right choices for you and how to recognize when you're on the right path. 
So when you figure out your strategy, it gives you the opportunity to experience events and circumstances that are best for you and not what might work for someone else who isn't wired the same as you are. Because when we don't follow our type, according to this human design model, it can bring in events and experiences that, that just might not be correct for where you're supposed to be going or, or how to best be here. And are there a finite amount of these as well? So every human design type has an emotional theme. And the emotional theme is part of the person's life and brings them the lessons and opportunities for growth. It gives you your type and then it gives you a profile, a definition, your inner authority. Remember when we talked earlier about your profile type and the the six lines and the nuances? The six lines are investigator, hermit, martyr, opportunist, heretic, or role model. So you have those six lines break into 12 profiles, the conscious line followed by the unconscious line. And I, I think, I'm pretty sure that links back to that original thing of, you know, your, your actual birth place and time and the 88 days prior, which gives you that second, the unconscious and the conscious. Not 100% sure on that, but I believe that's what that is. The, the different types, and some of these sound I mean, I liked mine, role model hermit, because it felt like me, but investigator, martyr, investigator, opportunist, hermit, opportunist, hermit, heretic, martyr, heretic. That, that's a heavy load, martyr, very, heretic. Very heavy. Uh, martyr role model, opportunist role model, opportunist investigator, heretic investigator, heretic hermit, role model, hermit, role model, martyr. But then you can Google. So I did 6-2 and it brought up all of these pages on what a role model hermit and how it breaks down your life and who you get along with. Again, just a tool and it's kind of fun. Well, I've always said that I wish when we were born, we came with a blueprint or a handbook that just said like, you know, here's your main personality. Here are your main challenges. Here's what you're supposed to do on earth. Enjoy the ride. Maybe this is another tool that can give us access to remembering our soul plan or birth chart. Right. Because these profiles will tell you about what your major life themes that you'll encounter. And they illustrate another way in which your personality interacts with the world. I never thought of myself when I saw role model, I thought that's not me. And then I started reading some of the descriptions and it's not, it's about sharing knowledge. It's about learning things and wanting to elevate other people. It's, I mean, there were, there were nuances in that that made sense to me, but the word itself didn't. If you are uh, one of these other things, don't be put off by what the, the label is, but go do a little digging and see what it actually defines. If everyone comes into, and I believe this, we all come with a specific purpose, and this is validating that saying you have a specific profile and purpose, and knowing this can help you see some of the themes that you'll encounter as you move toward fulfilling what you came here to do. Well, it can also be a good way to accept yourself. Like if you are a hermit type born into an extroverted family, you might have spent a lot of years feeling as though, you know, there's something wrong with me. Why am I not wanting to be out and about all the time? And then you see, oh, I was born with this hermit type that explains it. And sometimes just those realizations can be, a relief and a way for us to do that inner work. 
Right. And I truly think that's important right now is to find ways to accept ourselves for who we are and what we're doing. And, and it's not easy. I've been talking to a lot of folks lately that are really, really struggling with uh, family of origin issues or things that happened in the past that they're trying to release. And we've talked about this a lot as far as we know part of this shift is releasing so we can move into what's coming. We've, we've said that in probably every show since the beginning of the year. Very, very much a way to find self-acceptance as we continue to grow and evolve. Does sound, though, like learning to become a human design reader is harder almost than being a tarot reader. Haven't even begun to look at the chart itself because then you can get into all the channels and how things connect and what color is the channel and where things are and what numbers are needed. So it goes on and on and on. But even getting a, a, a basis of this can give you some validation. There's nine centers in the body graph. Head, I believe you'd say Ajna, throat, G, like the letter G, heart, ego, sacral, root, spleen, and solar plexus. So these centers, similar to the chakra system, hubs of energy in our body. But unlike the seven chakras of the Hinduistic tradition, there are nine centers in the body graph, and each one represents a certain type of energy and is related to certain functions within our body. Our type and strategy associated with it is determined by which centers in our body graph are defined, which means colored in, or if, and how they're connected. Just starting out with, with the head center, this is for inspiration, thinking, mental pressure. If it's undefined, it means that most of your thoughts and questions, as well as your inspiration, come from the outside. You might be constantly thinking about things that don't matter to you or why your head is so full of questions. Trying to answer them creates a lot of mental pressure. You can learn to have questions without the need to answer them. You can ask yourself from time to time, am I thinking about things that don't matter? Am I still trying to answer everybody else's question? But some wisdom that can come from this is, I know which questions are important to me to think about, and I know who and what is inspiring for me. Do you feel that that connects a lot with like crown chakra, that head chakra de definition? Yeah, that sounds like the description of a balanced versus an unbalanced crown chakra. And now that uh, is the center of research, thought processing, and analysis. And having it undefined means you might not have the consistency in the way that your thoughts are, are accessed or processed. And your thought process is, again, conditioned from the outside. You might feel uncertain about your capacity to communicate and express ideas, or, or you compensate by pretending to be certain, the one who, who knows and, and doesn't want to look foolish. So you can ask yourself, am I trying to convince everyone else that I'm certain of, of what I'm saying? But another way to look at that is I'm okay with not being certain and have that flexibility to allow that creativity of thought process. And see, that is very similar to the third eye ability clairvoyance, but it's also the center of control. And this is why a lot of type A personalities get migraines, because in the third eye chakra, we have to release that need to know and be in control. Yeah, I love that that, that parallels. So, mm -hmm. so far, so good with the head chakra, the Anya center, it, 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 they, they do correlate. And then we go into the throat center which is the center of communication and manifestation. And having it undefined means that you might not have that consistency 
and at the same time, great flexibility in expressing yourself. If it's not in a good place, it might be that need to attract attention by talking. And that they say a useful tip is if you do have an open throat center is to don't always be the first person to talk. Ask yourself, am I trying to attract attention or realizing I don't have to do anything to attract attention. It happens when it's correct for me. Connecting that with the throat chakra. Perfectly in alignment. That's speaking your truth and communicating your needs, feeling heard, feeling a sense of empowerment through your words and being able to really speak your authentic truth. Now, the G center is the center of identity. It's your direction of of life and love. It's the center of the spiritual heart in the middle of the chest. You don't know who you are or where your life is going and don't always get the love you need or you have a hard time trusting that life will guide you by following your strategy and authority if this is an open center for you. Only be in a place that you like, be it your home, city, restaurant, office. And if you're asking yourself, am I still looking for love for yourself and your direction in life? Maybe some wisdom from this center being open would be, I no longer look for love. My life direction and self are out there. And by living by your design, love comes to you not having to take that step. It's going to, it's going to work in divine timing. And I think for empaths, so many of us are spend a lot of time in our heart chakra or have felt things so deeply, pain or loss or grief or whatever it might be, that I think that that's a center that for a lot of us may need some, some kindness and gentleness. And that kind of sounds like the higher heart chakra. Yes, because the next one is the ego and heart center. So what's the difference between the higher heart and the heart chakra? Well, as I understand that the heart chakra is connected to love, anger, forgiveness, unforgiveness, personal relationships, work relationships, and the higher heart chakra is more about universal love, unconditional love, understanding the collective conscious, recognizing our connection to all that is. So it's more love on a bigger, grander scale. Well, I don't know about bigger, but you know, a more universal scale. And that fits because then when you go into, according to this design model, the ego heart center, this is ego, willpower, self-worth, self-esteem, survival in the material world. But if it's undefined, it means there might not be consistency in applying your willpower, which can lead to lower self-esteem and underestimating yourself, which again, kind of correlates with a closed heart chakra. And you try to overcompensate by possibly being competitive or in control or proving your worth to others and yourself. And you have a hard time, you know, making, I'm not going to make any promises. I can't guarantee that. So ask yourself if you're, if this is an open center for you, do I have something to prove? Am I smart enough, good enough, trustworthy, loyal, whatever that might be. And the, the wisdom of this open ego or heart center is I have nothing to prove. I feel like that really matches beautifully with finding that that acceptance for self in our heart chakra. Me too. That's a great mantra to meditate on. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to prove. I love it. So then we go into sacral, which again, to, when we were talking about generators and manifesting generators, they're the only two types that have this sacral center that's defined. And this is vitality, sexuality, persistence. Having it undefined means you might not have a constant access to that vitality and you can easily exhaust yourself 
not knowing when enough is enough. You tend to overdo things. Work, eating. Remember, you're not here to work, but potentially guide others and how they work. Knowing when enough is enough. Now, this this is a weird one for me because those characteristics I do tend to overdo and push and push and, you know, either bring something to an extreme. So I'm going to do a little research on that one because I'm, even though my center shows up as defined, it feels more undefined to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, there must be something in all of this, this giant hole that, that would explain that not knowing when enough is enough, but then also the wisdom of that was being that we really do know when enough is enough. Anything that we're doing that's going to bolster our sense of who we really are and be okay with it leads to realizing I don't have to overcompensate because we're we're okay with who we are. You know, that correlates perfectly with the sacral chakra in traditional sense, because I feel this is the most overlooked chakra in the whole system. I mean, there's, you know, over a hundred chakras, but we tend to focus on the seven main and human design focuses on nine. The sacral chakra, it does consider all of what you just mentioned. It's sexuality because it it's where the sexual organs are. It's body image. So any food issues are going to be stored here. It's also any childhood stuff. So if there's like childhood abuse or trauma, that often gets stored partially in the second chakra. It's also our sense of that positive aspect of sexuality, you know, and I don't mean that in a sexy way. I mean, when you can look and feel beautiful, no matter if you're in sweatpants or, you know, something you think is an amazing outfit, it's that sense of positive body image. But to me, the sacral chakra is so much more because for women, the sacral chakra is where the womb is. So it's all about birth, creativity, fertility, and having that that sense, that realization that we truly are co-creators with the universe. So I think it's a very powerful center that is often overlooked or almost ignored. And the way you describe that, that answered my question of why it feels undefined for me, even if it's defined. So maybe that's a way to figure this out is to study more of the traditional, what we consider the traditional chakra system and kind of overlap that with this human design and see the, how it, it does blend together beautifully. The root center is the center of physical pressure, the adrenaline, the drive to do things, kundalini energy. If it's undefined, it means that you may do things as fast as you can, work hard in effort to get rid of that pressure that never really goes away but you have the potential to be naturally still and allow that pressure to flow through you without always having to act upon it. So am I in a hurry to be free of this pressure? Instead, maybe look at that of, I know what pressure is correct for me or not. A lot of this is truly following what the strategy brings you to really align with how to feel more comfortable, more confident, more self-assured with the way that you do things personally. You and I have talked about this a lot and, and with a lot of other people and people on the show and whatever, that a lot of us feel like we might've been airdropped into a family or we've never really felt like we belonged or we were different than our siblings or we're different than our, you know, we've, we've made changes in our lifestyle. They're different than the way we were brought up. I think all of this is 
defining that and encouraging us to say, okay, but that's because I did come onto the planet with this unique thumbprint to do it my way. Right. Now, does it mention the spleen? Because there is a spleen chakra. Yes. And the spleen, they say, is the center of intuition, instinct, survival, and well-being. And having it undefined means that you're open to all kinds of fears and you hold on to things that are no longer good for you. You may have a weaker immune system, which can make you sensitive to your body, and but also potentially good at seeing the health of others. So it's easy for you to get addicted to the good feelings others bring you. Spontaneity can make it create some problems for you. So a question to ask if you're if this center is open for you is, am I still holding on to what's not good for me? Relationships, jobs, places, things. And a potential wisdom or in, insight from this can be, I know what's healthy for me or not, and I can let go of what doesn't serve me. In traditional teachings of the chakra, the spleen chakra is where we intake prana energy. So universal life force energy is almost digested or inhaled or taken in through the spleen chakra. And the last one is the solar plexus center, which is the center of our emotions and moods. And having it undefined means that you're very sensitive to emotions, open to the emotions of others as you take them in and feel twice as strong. This can lead to avoiding conflicts and unpleasant truths, living a secret life, trying to avoid emotional decisions. So you might want to ask yourself every now and again, am I still avoiding confrontation and truth? But also you may find that the wisdom of I can experience the full spectrum of emotions and survive. So I, it would be interesting to see how that aligns with empaths and that solar plexus center. It does align because the solar plexus is where we hold our sense of personal power and joy. It's where we define ourselves in many ways. And so for empaths, this is the seat of clairsentience. And many empaths tend to feel other people's emotions. So it's really important to have a healthy, strong solar plexus so that you can set those good boundaries and take in the energy you need to take in, but not carry the energy that's not yours to carry. That's beautifully, beautifully said. You can Google human design and it's going to bring up a whole bunch of stuff. There are a lot of free resources. There are also some that are paid, but my own personal default is I usually exhaust the free resources and then I'll say, okay, I want to learn more from an expert on this. A good website is jovianarchive.com, J-O-V-I-A-N-A-R-C-H-I-V-E.com. Lots and lots of resources. Interiorcreative.com was another great one. My Human Design. So truly, and if you go on YouTube or you can Google videos and you could put in Human Design Profile 6.2, and there are a lot that will do little videos of those. So there's a really, if this is something you're interested in, a ton of, of resources available. There's a book, courses, It's, but I, I think it's interesting. It's definitely fascinating. I think it's just, like we said earlier in the show, it's another tool we can use for self-discovery. And, you know, everything that I learned, Denise, always brings me back to that one sentence, know thyself. Exactly. And I really think that's the overall purpose of why we're here is to know ourselves and understand who we are and why we're here. And accept that. 
accept that and find, you know, it's okay to do it your way. It's okay to be wired differently. I think we're all coming into that a little bit more. I hope so anyway. I hope so too. And we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and we hope that you have a wonderful, happy week. As always, please remember to show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.